in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. If you open up your Bibles to page 1, you can read about it. If you open up your Bibles to page 1, you can read how God worked for six days to create the heavens and the earth in all of their vast array. For six days he worked on that. And then we hear, by the seventh day, God had finished the work he had been doing. So on the seventh day, he rested from all his work. And God blessed the seventh day and made it holy. Because on it, he rested from all the work of creating he had done. Now, God didn't rest because he was tired. God doesn't get tired. And God didn't rest from ever doing work again, like he had never worked again after day seven, because God is working every day for every single one of us. He's constantly at work. He's always at work for us. This rest on the seventh day, God's rest on the seventh day was the kind of rest that follows completed and holy work. It's the kind of rest that is, is characterized by perfect contentment and complete satisfaction. It, it, and, it's, and this rest is, is the kind of rest that God wants to share with all people. This eternal blessedness, this perfect peace and fulfillment and contempt is the kind of rest that God wants to share with us, with all people. Do you know how God describes each day of creation the same way? I, you, you've read that before, right? How, how God describes that. Um, and there was evening and there was morning the first day. And there was evening and there was morning the second day. And there was evening and there was morning the third day. And on and on and on. All the way through, right? But I want you to notice something. That isn't said about the seventh day. Days one through six have a beginning and an end. Evening and morning. Evening and morning. Beginning and end. But those words aren't used to describe day seven. Now, of course, day seven was a 24-hour day, like all the other ones were. But the rest, the rest that day seven symbolized is something that will never end. That rest, that the perfect rest of, of peace and fulfillment and contentment and satisfaction that God is preparing for us, that rest is never going to end. And that's the rest that God wants for us. That's the rest that God wants for people. So God gave us that seventh day to remind us of and to point us to the perfect rest that he has in store for us. He also did something pretty amazing with his people to point us to the rest that he is preparing for every one of us. Okay? For 400 years, God's people were living in slavery in Egypt. Now, slavery is inhumane. Being owned and, and being treated as, as property robs people of the dignity of being 
a human being. And so these people in Israel were, they were, this deeply affected the way that they thought. It, it deeply affected the way they saw themselves. It deeply affected the way they saw the world around them. All right, 400 years of that kind of slavery being ingrained in them, teaching them who they are, teaching them what they would have to do. And then you've heard the story, right? We've read the account. God in his awesome power and amazing love comes and he brings those people out of their slavery in Egypt. He rescues them from that. All right? Then this God who loved them, this God who cared about them, after he got them into the desert for a while, he takes them to Mount Sinai and he gives them the Ten Commandments at Mount Sinai. But he didn't give them those commandments uh, just to give them a bunch more rules to follow now. He gave them those commandments to begin the process of teaching them what it means to be human beings again. You see, he gave them this Sabbath command, the, the, the third commandment, uh, which, we, which we read earlier on in the service, um, commanded God's people to take a Sabbath, a day of rest each week, and not do any work. All right? for, now, for all these years in Egypt, these people were working every day without any break at all. And now this command, this Sabbath command, God was commanding his people to take one day each week to remind them, to be reminded, that they were no longer slaves. That they were now people who were free. And that they can live as people who are free. You see, for all these years they had been living in, in slavery. They, they, they hadn't been, they weren't being treated as human beings, they were being treated as machines. And, and this Sabbath command said, I want you to take at least a day each week to be reminded that you're not a slave anymore. You've been set free. You, your value doesn't come from how many bricks you make. Your value comes from this God who loves you and who cares for you and who has rescued you. That's where your value comes from. Imagine, just imagine what it would have been like to be uh, a slave under Pharaoh in Egypt. And then imagine how beautiful it would be to hear a command to take a day of rest each week. So God pointed us to his heavenly rest by resting on the seventh day. And then God pointed us to his heavenly rest with the third commandment, encouraging us to be reminded of that rest and to grow in that rest. God also pointed us, uh, he also symbolized that rest and pointed us to that rest um, by doing something with his people. By leading those children of Israel out of their slavery in Egypt into the promised land of Canaan. A land, as it says, flowing with milk and honey. A land of rest. And that land of rest was to symbolize and point us to the eternal, the perfect rest that is waiting for every one of us. But you know the story, don't you? Some of them didn't make it. Actually, a lot of them didn't make it. 
In fact, other than two men, all of the children of Israel who were 20 years old and older did not make it into that promised land of rest. Their bodies fell in the desert. They weren't allowed to enter because of their unbelief. And the writer of the Hebrews in our text today reminds us of this very sad fact. These people, these children of Israel, rebelled against God. After everything God had done for them, they they didn't believe his promises. They didn't believe his promise that he was going to be with them. After everything God had done for them. And so God made an oath that they would never enter the rest of that promised land, and they didn't. That's in chapter 3. If you get a chance to, to look through that in Hebrews, that's what God talks about those children of Israel, how they rejected God, they rebelled against him, and so God made an oath, you're not going to be entering my land of rest. Because you're not, you, you don't, you're not trusting in me. I've, give, I've given you rest, I've taken you out of slavery, I've done all this stuff for you, and you're still rebelling against me, so you're not going to be entering that land of rest. You'll find that in chapter 3, you'll also find that in Exodus. So then it brings us up to our text in chapter 4, and it seems that the main point of this chapter and the main point of our text is this. God doesn't want any of his people to miss out on that rest into which he himself entered after finishing his work of creation on day 7, and to which this entry of the whole nation of Israel into Canaan under Joshua pointed. God doesn't want his people to miss out on that rest. God doesn't want you to miss out on entering that rest. God doesn't want you, as our text says, to fall short of it. He doesn't want you to be lying out in the desert, so to speak, when you could be enjoying the blessings of his peace, of his eternal rest. And all that comes with it. Do you think he's kidding? Look at those Israelites lying in the desert. Chapter 3, verse 19 says, So we see that they were not able to enter because of their unbelief. So that's one of the points of our text, friends. God's rest can be lost. God's rest can be lost. The Israelites lost it. Because even though they heard that message, even though they heard his words, they heard his message, they didn't combine it with faith. They lost it because of unbelief, because they rejected him. And so in Psalm 95, which is quoted twice in our text, God makes an oath. He swears that anyone who rejects him in unbelief is not going to enter his rest. Don't take your place next to those lost souls lying on the desert floor. Take God seriously. Because we can harden our hearts against him. We can do that. We can harden our hearts against God and we can miss out on that rest that he has planned for us, that he wants us to have. We can miss out on that if we reject him. The writer of our text didn't want that to happen to the Hebrews. And he doesn't want it to happen to us. He writes, For we also have had the gospel preached to us. So he's, he's, looking, he's pointing them back to the, the children of Israel, way back there in Exodus, and he's saying they had the gospel, they had God's word, they had all this stuff, all these promises, but they didn't believe God in the end. And so now he's saying to the Hebrews, we, we have also had the gospel preached to us, just as they did. 
But the message they heard was of no value to them because those who heard did not combine it with faith. So friends, faith is not a matter of the ears only. It's a matter of the heart. A week ago, we were at uh, my child's soccer game. And we were sitting there at the soccer game, and my wife and I got into a, a long conversation about all kinds of things. And so we were there at the game, watching the sights of the game, hearing the sounds of the game, but in truth, our, our hearts and minds were, were someplace completely else. And, and, and suddenly, um, Dawn wondered aloud, what if, what if people attend church the same way that we are attending the soccer game today? What if people listen and pay attention uh, with the same level of attentiveness that we are giving to this game? And right away I thought to myself, don't even say that. I don't even want to think about that. That would be way too depressing. To think that I could spend that much time studying a text, writing a sermon, preparing to preach it, and that then people would be sitting here thinking about something else, or maybe not even listening at all. I don't even want to think about that. But the thing is, I know it's true. I know it's true. If it happened to the Israelites, it happens to us. There are so many things vying for our attention, aren't there? The world uses so many things to to try to rob us of the rest that God has for us in his word. And I know, I know there are a good many of you right now thinking about something completely else. I know that. Or some of you are kind of half listening, but you're going to soon forget this. I know that that is true. You want to know how? Here's how. Because I do it myself. That's right. I've done it myself. These thoughts I'm sharing with you right now, this whole soccer game conversation thing, you know when I was thinking about it? Last Sunday during Mark's sermon. That's right. And then I caught myself and I realized I am doing the exact same thing. But I'm thinking about holy things. But it doesn't matter. I'm doing the exact same thing. If I do it, I know you do it. Either that or i got to learn from your holiness. <clears throat> Here's the point. When we are here, when we are out there studying the Bible over there in Sunday school, when we are having Bible study wherever it is, when we are having devotion with your family, when you are opening your Bible in the morning and reading it, whenever we are in the place where we are hearing God's word, we need to do more than listen without hearing. We need to listen with our heart. We need to, we need, we need to take those words in so that these words... So that this message gets combined with faith. Because if we don't listen, if we don't truly listen to what God is saying in his word, 
then we're never going to get that rest that God wants us to have. We're, that's never going to get combined with faith. We're never actually going to live that way, believing and knowing that we have that rest. We need to listen with our heart so that that message gets combined with faith, so that we get that rest God wants us to have, the rest from all of the stuff in the world, from the, the slavery that this world really attaches to our lives. God wants us to rest from that. And the way we get rest is when we truly listen to him. Listen with your heart. First major point of today. Listen with your heart. When we listen to God, the the Holy Spirit gives faith. The Holy Spirit strengthens faith. Verse 3 says, Now we who have believed enter that rest. So friends, here's the good news. We have God's beautiful rest now. This rest that God wants us to have, we have because Jesus gives us this rest. I'm going to read some maybe, hopefully, familiar passages to you. John 5, 24. I tell you the truth, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life and will not be condemned. He has crossed over from death to life. And you remember what Jesus said in Matthew 11, 28, 29. It was just it was the words of that song we just sang before the sermon. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. So even though some have lost out on God's rest because they rejected him in unbelief, God's rest, and this is what the writer really wanted the Hebrews, these Hebrews and us to know, God's rest is still there for us, and it will always be there for us. It didn't end on day seven. It didn't end when those bodies fell in the desert. It's still there for us. It's still ours. In fact, we have it now because Jesus gives us that rest. Because Jesus made peace between us and God, and that's what gives us rest. So God's today didn't end with those people in the desert. Today wasn't just for Moses' Israelites. Today was for Joshua's Israelites. Today was for King David's Israelites who wrote those words to Psalm 95. Today was for those Hebrew Christians. And today is for you and me. But notice, nowhere in this text does it say tomorrow. Now is the time to listen. Now is the time to believe. Now is the time to enjoy our spiritual rest that points us to our eternal rest. Now is the time to live in that rest. There's one thing, to, yeah, I believe that, what, you know, I believe third commandment, but living in that rest. I mean, not running around worrying, 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 stress, stress, stress. I don't know if God's going to take care of me, but living in that rest. Everything's fine. I'm at peace with God. He's going to take care of anything that's important. Living in that rest. And the reason we need to live in that rest with our attitudes, with our actions, with all that we do, is not only will our life be blessed, but it will show others what this God who wants to give us rest is really like. The next verse says, For if Joshua had given them rest, God would not have spoken later about another day. So in other words, the first Joshua could not lead people into God's true rest. The rest that Joshua led them into in the land of Canaan was a symbolic rest, pointing to later rest. But another Joshua did lead them into rest. Another Joshua could lead them and did lead people into God's true rest with 
his lifeblood as the price. But we don't usually call him by his Hebrew name, Joshua. We usually call him by his Greek name, Jesus. Jesus did what Joshua couldn't. The rest that Joshua led his people into pointed forward to the rest that Jesus has given to you and me. But, but you, you know what makes sense to us human beings, right? Work. Slavery. Sweating and straining and working hard to make a living so that we can rest. So we can retire one day and, you know, whatever. That makes sense to us. Work, 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 work really hard so that we can rest. And then what we do is we take what makes sense to us and we kind of apply it to our spiritual lives, right? So we slave away and we strain and we sweat with our souls to, put it how you want it, pay the penalty that we owe, right? Wash away somehow the guilt of our mistakes in the past or the things we didn't do very well or the way we were unloving. Kind of make up for those things, pay for them, get rid of them, wash them away by working hard to, to do other things well. But you know what this is? This would just be, we would never give us that rest. It would be this never-ending slavery is exactly what that would be. So how beautiful, what, what, what rest it must have given to the Israelite slave or, or to someone who had that in their, in their backstory, right? What rest it must have given them or what, and, and what comfort it must give to you and me who work so hard to try to make God love us to hear these words from Isaiah. Imagine the comfort and the rest these words brought them and that they bring us where he says, comfort, comfort my people, says your God. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem and proclaim to her that her hard service has been completed, that her sins have been paid for. That's comfort. That's rest. For anyone, our, our text says in verse 10, for anyone who enters God's rest also rests from his own work. <sighs> Breathe out, everybody. Okay? We can lay down the labors of our hands. We can stop being afraid of God and trying so hard to make him love us and to be right with him and to earn his favor because he's already given us his rest. So we can now rest from our work just as he rested from his work on day seven. That's what he's trying to teach us. We can now rest from our work the same way he rested from his work. I got a phone call this week from someone who's interested in our soccer camp. But they were a bit concerned about the Christian content of the camp. We're not Christian, she said. So, will my son have to participate in the Christian part of the camp? Love this question. So I said, yes, he most certainly will. Hmm. Well, what does that all mean? What does that all entail? Well, thank you for asking that question. Once a day, we gather all the children together and we teach them a lesson from the Bible about Jesus. And yes, all the children will have to be there to listen. Oh, okay. So you mean he won't have to like, do anything like, like pray or anything like that? Nope. Just listen. Oh, okay. 
I, I guess that shouldn't be a problem then, as long as he doesn't have to do anything. <laughs> did, you, did you hear that? The world believes that being in a relationship with God is about doing something. That's what the world believes. So this woman, this woman was concerned that her son might have to do something that might in turn get him linked up with God. But on the other hand, it didn't seem to bother her at all that his son would have to maybe listen to a message about God. But you get the irony? Because that is exactly where her son might come to know God. That is where you and I came to know God. By listening to the good news of how he has freed us and given us perfect rest through his son Jesus. By the Holy Spirit working in us the conviction that God has given all of this to us as a gift of his love. That's how we've come to know God. So friends, stop thinking it's all up to you. Stop working so hard to make God love you. And our third point of the day, lean on your rest giver. Stop leaning on yourself. Lean on your rest giver. I enjoy, I, I love, I love my Sundays of rest. This is my favorite of the week. Absolutely. I love Sundays. I love being here. Favorite part of the day. I love being strengthened by God's word. I love being reminded of that rest we really do have through the word, through the sacraments. I love being encouraged by you. And then at 1 p.m. for the first time in a week, I, I love being able to go home and just rest physically too. But, and my family can tell you, I, I can't really rest fully and completely until the car is unpacked and all the church stuff is put away. So sometimes I find myself hurrying up to rest. Because you know what, it, there just is no rest like the kind of rest that you get when everything is done. And isn't, I think that's the way God felt a little bit on day seven, right? Everything was done, and so he rested. Well, look at how our text ends. It says, let us therefore make every effort to enter that rest. Let that bounce around your mind a little bit. Let us make every effort to enter that rest. So I studied up a little bit on that word effort. And, and the, the, the meaning there is, let us be diligent. Let us be eager. Let us concentrate all of our energies on. Let us make haste. Let us be in a hurry to enter that rest. Now, this isn't saying that you have to do something to get God's rest. This is showing us the importance of truly listening and taking in and receiving the rest that God does give us in his word. Not just nominal allegiance to a Christian flag or building up a nice church attendance record, but truly hearing and believing the rest that God wants to share with you. Amen. And the peace of God, the rest of God, which transcends all understanding, keep our hearts and minds through faith in Christ Jesus. Amen.